I think what I, I want to create theatre that is telling the truth, you know, and that is, again, why I start with saying my actual ancestry mm-hmm. because, you know, Australia as a so-called country um, is is an invasion of, of a many, many, many nations of peoples that have been here for the longest time. You know, it's the longest continuing culture in the world. So, you know, I, d- I just think that we can't engage in any kind of relationship, story, life, work, anything on this land, on these lands and waters without acknowledging that. And it's not just saying it out loud. You know, it's a, it's a transaction. It's a respect piece. One, two. Welcome to Shot of Inspiration, the podcast which gives you a different perspective about life and share inspiring life stories. I'm Sarah and I decided to share stories and experiences about citizens of the world I'm meeting on my personal journey. They decided to create the life they want, do what they love and define their own vision of success and happiness. Because you don't need to be successful to share an inspiring story. This podcast is yours, so let's take a shot of inspiration. For this second episode, I'm having a conversation with Kristen, 29 years old, from Australia. Kristen is an octopus. (laughs) It took me time to understand what job she was doing, because in my old belief, people had one job. Kristen, she's a performer. She acts, sings, writes, creates, inspires. She can also work in hospitality, organize kids' party, ride a bike as a tourist guide. And next to that, she does yoga, play footy, netball, runs. I am fascinated by her capacity to organize, get inspired and create different projects. And next to that as well, into her art, she includes human justice and recognize her ancestor story, which is colonization, starting by acknowledging the land she was born on. We talk about her vision as a performer, her organization tools, the representation of art in Australia and the feeling of rejection. But we also talk about First Nation issues, racism, and Australian mythology. To listen to more episodes, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are using. Leave a comment below the episode to share me some support. I will be really grateful. I can't wait to read them. So here is my conversation with Kristen. Hi, Kristen. Hey. How are you? I'm really good. You're really good? Mm-hmm. All right. So would you like to please to introduce yourself, your age, your nationality, your ancestors, and uh, what you do actually at the moment? Yeah. Um, so I, my name is Kristen, Kristen O'Dwyer, and I am Australian in quotation marks. <laughs> um, I've, I've got... Uh, settler colonial heritage here on this country, which is Ghana Yurta, the ancestral land of the Ghana people. Um, and as well, you know, my family have lived in on Adyamatna country as well as Yorta Yorta country um, and, and different nations throughout Australia, so-called. Um, but my bloodlines are Irish, German, Chinese, 
very, very, very Irish again, and then a little bit Spanish. <laughs> wow. I like how you introduce yourself and you acknowledge that you're living in Australia, mm -hmm. question marks, but you know uh, <laughs> who uh, this lens, uh, who are the real owner of this lens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really subscribe to Australia as an identity or really even as a legal country <laughs> yeah um you know until there's no treaty in this place but yeah we can get into that later but that's why i don't say hey yeah i'm australian <laughs> and i like go yeah australia day because it's actually invasion day etc etc let's leave that for now <laughs> and it's interesting because we're gonna see after i'm sure that uh, what you're saying now about your ancestors is part of why you're here now and uh, is uh, is going wherever you are mm -hmm. you always say that you have german and irish and chinese ancestors mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's so interesting so yeah, great yeah. and so how old are you 29 29 yeah. at the moment you're living in adelaide mm -hmm. and what what is your job tell us i love it well I Firstly, I live here in Adelaide in, in Fulham with you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed we to love say Fulham Garden. <laughs> <laughs> this is our house. Um, and yeah, I'm an actor, singer, theatre maker, um, creative person. Wow. Yeah, still distilling the, jo the job, job role. Um, but yeah, I make theatre and I also facilitate others to tell their story. Okay, yeah. so this is what I loved about you when I met you because mm -hmm. you're this, the kind of person where you, you're not defined by a job first. Mm -hmm. You define yourself by your personality. And then when you talk about your job, you talk about passion. And it's not one job. It's, you, you prove that you can do many things and you have like such a wide, uh, how would you say, wide uh, trees of uh, <laughs> branch of like skills and competencies mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, I like that yeah I mean it, it is it's a definitely a blessing I think that a lot of my journey has been learning to embrace that part of myself in the multiplicity of of I guess talents and resources and assets that I have at my disposal in, in terms of creativity. And, and I think from a, a really young age, I consumed a lot of uh, like inspiration, books, poets, speakers, my own parents, my a lot of time down the beach <laughs> that just made me, um, you know, commit to that freedom and, and almost feel like I'm in service to what I have to offer. Mm -hmm. So it's like I have to... I have to do that. I have to trust that. Like, it hasn't really been a choice. So when you were a child, what did you want to do? I've always been a performer. Okay. Yeah. There's never been anything else. So it's something you really trained since you were young. You're, like, uh, not used to have only one single job and follow, follow one single line. Yeah. Well, it's funny, though, because even, like, in terms of the one single line job, I think even people can go into acting or music or theatre in all those ways in single track, um, like pathways. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, once I kind of hit those tertiary levels and professional spaces, I realised that I was I was different again. Mm -hmm. um, 
so yeah, but as as a child, I just I was always a storyteller, um, and I was really lucky. I got involved with a lot of theatre really early on, um, so it was it was just a no brainer. Um, mm. And again, I, it was just what I had to do. Other things are definitely didn't come as easy. <laughs> yeah. And so everything that you do now, how do you organize? Like, what do you follow? Uh, like, for example, tomorrow you wake up and you're like, I want to do more acting in the next few months. And then I'm going to, I want to do more music or how, how do you follow this, what you have inside? Like, how do you think? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Yeah, it's it's definitely a constant, constant. Um, it's it's a moving. It's like the ground under you is always shifting because, you know. And I feel like I'm I'm balancing so many things at once. And I think that used to stress me out quite a lot. But now I've learnt to just go with it, and I don't put as much pressure. And then it becomes a lot easier. And and I know what to focus when. Um, and I have a lot of trust. So I just it depends who's around me. I've But to kind of progress quicker, I've got a lot of organizational systems that I've created for myself to track my goals plus the opportunities that are around me plus, you know, just things that aren't attached to specific projects, like to make sure that I am just creating because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think over the last year and a bit, it's been really focused on making sure that I've got traction in like the business part of being a creative. Mm -hmm. So that's not just having my own business, but that's, you know, knowing how to be visible, making sure that I've got showreel up and running, IMBD, stuff like that, you know, really stock standard things. But I have put that ahead of just sitting and writing my own play. So that's been a bit more over the last six months I've been working on a show, mm -hmm. um, which is nice because I don't really have a strict deadline for that. But that's normally how I begin writing anyway, is it's just in my own in my own time um, because it's without the outside pressure. But eventually I'd like to be in a space where I've got several things going. You know, I've got commissions coming at me from outside companies as well. So it's like meeting in the middle somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I know where I'm going. It's just I've still got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're driven by projects mm -hmm. and you're really clear on what are your projects And yeah, everything is, uh, uh, how can I say? Everything is, um, yeah, you're working on different projects at the same time. And then one day or another, one is popping up and another is popping up. Yeah, I can, sh I can explain literally. Yeah, she has. Uh, I have so many things. But my Google calendar is my life. And mm -hmm. I've got so many little calendars and it, um, you know, it categorizes what different things I'm doing each day. And to make myself accountable to these different categories, mm -hmm. I, I've, I've kind of watermarked them all the way through so I know that I'm filling a quota. So it's like I've got my live practice, whatever that show is that I'm doing, whatever the audition is that's coming in, you know, that I must do. Mm -hmm. So I'm allocating time for that. And then I've got, I call it like my own outpouring time. So I make sure that I'm either free riding or maybe doing some movement because all of that is so connected to my mental health too. Mm -hmm. um, and it always feeds into the other stuff. So it's often that I'm responding to different muse, like it might be a podcast, it might be music, it, whatever, you know. Um, and then I've also got a system that I can trace so I can be like set myself tasks for the next day. So if I feel 
you know, a bit stuck or um, stagnant. I could refer to that. And then I've just got making space for people and social life. And, and then, of course, the creative, I call it creative ad manifestation, <laughs> which is like emails for days and uh, all the different kind of work channels that you need to use as a freelance slash represented artist. Even, even being represented, I still keep up on a lot of the different, um, you know, they're like social media for actors. And mm. there's so many more of those popping up now. In Australia, they, they've had them in the UK and the US for a while, but yeah. Great. So I like how for you, it's, import, it's important to make space for everything, including mm -hmm. mental health and also socializing. And so you know where you're going and you know what is important for you to get your creativity and inspiration. How do you inspire, get inspired? Mm. Yeah, that's such a... I think I'm always exploring what that is. And I, I don't tend to lock it in. Um, it depends where I'm at. I think I always start from myself because that's always a place of curiosity and changes day to day. You know, I'm quite sensitive and empathetic and, um, and energetic. So I, I have like, I'm quite an internal introvert that needs alone space mm -hmm. to recharge. But then I, I love to be with people. So I think... I think it can change. Like if I'm really having a day to myself and I know that I've got the space, I'm almost fighting off the need to kind of be like, all right, I need to get on top of this, you know, admin piece, because my mind is telling me that I'm behind. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time I'm kind of, that's more what I'm fighting and being like, no, what's my inspiration? And I can set that free in a way. So Like it'll either be going for a walk some days. I've got a I've got a playlist on my I've got a thousand playlists, but I've got one playlist in particular if I'm really, you know, if I'm feeling like I need to just release and meet myself. Okay. Like that feeling of home. Like a, an emotional playlist with uh... It's it's not just emotional, it's more like my core music. Okay. From, that I've that I, I've, it's actually called my afterlife playlist because I want people, it's literally I've written it in my will that they have to play it at my funeral. Afterlife playlist? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It's, it's literally like the, the songs that I want almost written on my gravestone. Like they're that close to me. And so that might be like a, a major check-in if I really want to clear the slate. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that really answers the question because inspiration for me is really... It can be found anywhere. Like that's my that's my um, business. That's what I do. Is mm. I help. Like I can find it. I've got an eye for everything. So it's kind of a really difficult question to answer. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But you already answered really well because I was also thinking to this person that that want to be more creative mm. and are struggling to find inspiration that don't know how mm -hmm. to um, organize where to find inspiration. Mm. But you're saying it's everywhere. And yeah. being aware and curious as well and find inspiration, creativity everywhere, actually. Yeah, I think I think I call, almost call it more like in that in that context, if people are asking, I always think of it as like follow the lead. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that is niggling if if it's a, a feeling or if it's a interest of the day or, you know, even if even if it is a negative slash positive, you know, those are both subjective, but, you know, follow that trace, go, go with that, look into it more. Um, you know, I've got writers that I go to like Adrian Marie Brown is, um, a queer 
a black author from America and she's just my save the day kind of muse all the time because she's she's a lot about humanitarian justice within the arts as well mm-hmm. um but you know whatever it is that's your little piece of the day you might have seen something in the news and then you go on to that and then you might look at the parallel things that are that are reflecting that scenario elsewhere how you feel it in your own life you can just you can just kind of um like mull and dig and 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 like listen to the little piece that sends you somewhere else and just gather um and then eventually something starts to build and from that culmination of ideas and um you know ideas um you know, different people's opinions as well as any kind of feeling and subconscious interaction you're having with the material, you start to probably birth something for yourself too. Mm-hmm. And the and at that point, it's just like starting and not putting any pressure on it. Um, you know, there's, uh, what's her name? Julia. Oh my God, I need to check her name. I've got her book right here. The Artist Way, she wrote Julia, I want to say Julia Roberts, but it's not Julia Roberts. Oh, um, Julia Cameron, you know, it's Julia Cameron. She's an amazing one for creativity and breaking through any blocks as a writer, painter, just general human. Um, she does these things called, um, morning pages and I don't necessarily associate it with having to be done in the morning, but it's just this free flow, throw everything that's in your head. Okay. And they're often just like little to do's or criticisms or whatever. It doesn't even matter. You're not allowed to take your pen off the page for three pages. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. And um it's like stream of consciousness writing. And once you've kind of moved that out of the way, often something just happens. So yeah, I, I usually pair that process with, you know, something along that line anyway. Mm-hmm. With whatever's going on and let myself meander. Yeah. That's good. I love I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we were going on like knowing when how to uh work with deadlines versus, you know, free flow creativity and I was just saying about how the having deadlines and being able to apply that energy and focus it is mm-hmm. really helpful as well. You know, I've got some of my best work done under pressure, even yeah. though it's nice to kind of go, yeah, I've got time I can make whatever I want. As soon as I set the date, like I register for the festival or I, you know, I register for an audition, then it's, you know, you have to get it done. Um, so it's a fine, it's a fine balance. Interesting. Yeah. And so in all these uh, projects you're doing, there is a, a purpose, I, I imagine. Do you want to transmit something? Do you want to, wh- wh- why are you doing this project why why do you want to share your art is is there something driving you it, like as in purpose did yeah. you say yeah um yeah sarah with the big <laughs> questions i love um yeah there's a massive purpose i think for me depends how deep we want to go <laughs> um like i i just believe in the transformative transcendental kind of power of theater and storytelling because it's you know you can experience something with not just the audience Mm -hmm. and the creatives but you know it's the the lives and the essence of all the people represented in the performances but also in within the audience's imagination so it's like through narrative we change what we believe in 
and what we subscribe to are what we live by. So I think theatre is a really powerful way to create new experiences and, and essentially new pathways through which we kind of experience our worlds. It's like our filters change in how we relate to each other, um, how we think about different things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that at a core level, that's why I do theatre, but I am very driven to going further with that so so as to develop my own um, social enterprise business that can kind of really activate the theatrical space mm-hmm. um, and allow people the, you know, resource them to create any kind of changes they want for themselves, any kind of community within content. Um, but that's a that's a broader discussion. But that's kind of how I'm trying to fulfill my purpose, which is, you know, make uh, better connections in a. Oh, how do I articulate this? It's a my my purpose with theatre and storytelling is, yeah, I'm just struggling to articulate it. I'm like, blah. It's okay, take your time. I lost my thought. But um, I think what I, I want to create theatre that is telling the truth, you know, and that is, again, why I start with saying my actual ancestry mm-hmm. because, you know, Australia as a so-called country um is is an invasion of of uh, many 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 nations of peoples that have been here for the longest time you know it's the longest continuing culture in the world so you know i i just think that we can't engage in any kind of relationship story life work anything on this land on these lands and waters without acknowledging that and it's Mm -hmm. not just saying it out loud you know it's a it's a transaction it's a respect piece um so I think that that comes into a lot of my purpose it's not just saying I want to represent those stories at all I think that everyone making that adjustment in how they relate to their world um you know just creates a better a better place and, and an understanding of how we need to redistribute resources it's it's understanding investigating the past to understand the present okay you know and i think there's a i mean australia is a racist country we've got racism everywhere all over the globe but australia is a very interesting case study of those things (laughs) um so i think that's why i feel immediate and grounded here you know this is my birthplace i'm not far from where i was born right now um but yeah I think my purpose is connected to that. That's good. That's such a nice purpose. And again, (laughs) I think I told you when I met you, you were one of the first, I think, Australian that were um, really uh, into this cause. And I remember I asked you, and I will ask you again, for for Reiners like me, or even for white Australians that want to get more educated on this subject, uh, what would you advise? Mm. Yeah, I I think like the first thing I'll address in it because I, you know, I know other people like me. It's not like I'm uncommon. It's Mm -hmm. just that there is a sense of, there can be a sense of silence um, in identifying with those issues because it's complex, because, you know, the, um, the way that 
you know, working with within human justice spaces that are that are connected to racism, you know, I can't go in and, and profiteer over any of that either. But I have a stake in needing to create change within that space because I and my lineage, my personal bloodline has been a part of the continuing problem as well as the past. Mm -hmm. So if I really understand the effects in my day-to-day life and, and how I can, um, you know, maybe better manage my own energy. When I say energy, like whatever, my car, (laughs) my, my work, you know, it's not saying that I do anti-racist work. It's that my work can be anti-racist in its foundational practices Mm. as best as I can you know so but that was one of the first hooks that got me I was quite young when I really got into it but especially when I was going through acting school it was very interesting this pervading fear of um, identifying or speaking out about First Nations Mm. issues as a white person, um, but even anyone like, you know, this is nearly 10 years ago and there's been a lot of rapid change in the last three, five, six years. But that quietness is so learnt. You know, you come to, there's a whole story, you know, this Australian mythology around, you know, the, um, the swagsmen, the jolly swagsmen, the convicts versus the free settlers. Um, and, you know, Like if I talk about, for example, my Irish story, I've got several, but if I talk about one, you know, the story of Mary Cherry, who is my oldest, longest Irish descendant um, on these lands. So she would have come over on an English boat. She would have been taken from a home, an orphanage in Ireland, in the south of Ireland um, and brought over because people were used, those young women were used on the boats for the British men. Yeah. You know, so she was then at the lower ranks and a working woman in that sense um, back in those days. And then she married a a Chinese man from Macau. um, And he, you know, and they they both kind of didn't have to work as much. She didn't definitely didn't have to work in her field. And he worked his way up as a chef in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of central New South, sorry, central um, South Australia, like Corn, Port Augusta. But for survival reasons, you know, the they she adopted whiteness. But, you know, Irish people have traditionally hated the English because the English mm-hmm. have come and colonised much of their culture. That is totally so, true. So mm-hmm. this is why, and then there was a, you know, there's this repeated pattern of indoctrinating into whiteness so you know I I always feel like I'm a product of colonization but also like I'm kind of a walking weapon of it as well if I embody my my whiteness and if I affiliate only with that culture and if I say that I'm Australian Mm -hmm. because it's such a it's a silencing technique so to no longer be you know the Irish were given less rights as well in the initial days of the colony because you were a lower, um, you know, second-class citizen. But then when people, but then the Chinese were even lower than that. You know, so then they, and then they became these kind of different scoring cards. So people people would jump ship. You know, there's lots of examples of that. I don't need to go into. But then when they had kids and their kids had kids, there was still so much racism at that generation for um, the. Asian-ness of, of these people that were descended from Macau 
um, that my great great grandfather changed the name from Lee Suit to Lasu to anglify it mm-hmm. because of bashings, because of like slurs and things like that. Um, and so then his son, my great grandfather, taught my nana that they hate Chinese people and they would never speak out loud that they actually were Chinese. Oh, wow. You know, so it's a dangerous, yeah, it's so, yeah. <laughs> I think that colonization is a is a global phenomenon and evil that's connected to the patriarchy, that's connected to capitalism, that's connected to all of these things that are harm cycles that we are so deeply entrenched in, mm-hmm. um, you know, that have predominantly come out of Europe and different parts of Asia. Um, and definitely didn't originate here. Yeah. You know, so I just think that that's so important. And you want to put your uh, energy and your work and your art toward this yeah. important Yeah, I think cause. it's just carrying it. Mm. Like, it's just, I won't go into any space without that knowing. Mm. And the more people that can have that, it's, and because, of course, shame and guilt, you know, we talk about white guilt and white fragility, like all of those. White fragility is an expression of white guilt that, you know, might make people cry if they're being told that they're being racist and like, which is manipulative tactic and can be quite subconscious. But we need to unpack those parts of ourselves that we want to react from because it's every, you know, there's interge- intergenerational trauma, there's intergenerational blessings, but, you know, whatever side you're on, which we all have both, um, however that's manifesting, it's worth investigating because I can't, if I'm going to have shame about how I may be tied to early and current, you know, violent colonization tactics and genocidal tactics, then um, I can't only hold the shame, although I can see it. You know, I can expand through it to Mm. being like, how do I activate that, Um, you know, to be to be useful (laughs) instead of um, pitiful or the shame can just make you quiet. Yeah. You know, which is true, which is why like we've got so many, so many problems and, but we've got so many ways to come together and fix them. But the barriers are around people's belief systems and, and what we think is important. So I, I do a lot of, you know, I'm doing a lot of my own talking and this is obviously interviewing me, but I've worked with a lot of, people that have educated me you know these aren't purely my ideas I I only know these things because of um you know Aboriginal women like I've worked with Narinjeri Nadjeri and Ghana and Adyamatna women elders you know that have and and Yorta Yorta you know people that have showed me what they've known for thousands and thousands of years Mm. not not in any um inappropriate way but you can sense there's a different way of thinking and what when people go oh poor aboriginal people it's actually like poor european people poor white people that have been so stolen from their own root system Mm. and and i think that um inverting the the common story around looking you know there can the racism can make people see those groups in particular lights but actually I I just feel so honored to be here and so honored to share a lifetime with people that are connected to that much knowledge Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well thank you for uh, sharing that to us and showing us as well 
uh, opening us our eyes and educating us mm -hmm. because yeah it's important mm -hmm. it's important yeah. and it's a beautiful cause <laughs> and um, so now tell us what are your like dreams in the next years with all what what you're doing at the moment creating contributing mm -hmm. do you have big dreams uh, coming yeah I think that you want to realize well it's funny I think my my biggest long-standing dream has been to perform on the West End mm-hmm Which is the West End? The West End is in London. Okay. Yeah, so it's like the main stage version of, you know, it's it's basically if you've got Hollywood for film, West End is where you want to be for theatre. Oh, wow. But there's Broadway as well, which is music theatre yeah. in New York. But I've, I, love, I love the West End. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, I guess that theory was also broken down over the pandemic for me because I did so much work that's immediately connected to this country and, and with people. And I, I realized, um, you know, bringing in other cultures and, and denying truth. It's like a little pattern we've got. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we're so, we're so influenced by America. We're so influenced by the UK, by Europe, um, and Asia that there isn't always a, I, I we don't always see ourselves represented authentically, um, you know, and things are only valued, you know, it's like all the Aussies that are making it in Hollywood. It's like, why not just, you know, Screen Australia is doing some really exciting things, yeah. but, but we want more. We want to consume more. We want to see ourselves more. Um, it's just, we're such a, we're a baby colony country type mm. in that sense, but working with women and communities at that level that I got to do really showed me that the value of here and now and the small stories and interactions moment to moment of the quote unquote little people are actually the biggest, most specific healing tools that we have. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the coming close to home piece has been is still a massive goal of mine and and maybe more so amplifying that rather than needing to run off to the west end yeah maybe i get to, maybe i get to take a group of us to the west end but it will still be about this place Incredible. and they will be privileged to see that if that comes mm. yeah so many things to do mm -hmm. so many big dreams yeah <laughs> it's beautiful it's a beautiful project and it's so different from as you said what we usually Here, you know, I'm acting and I want to go to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, this is, has a real purpose and a real sense and develop this arts in Australia, the new Australia uh, mm -hmm. to, yeah, it's something when I, I, I arrived in Australia, I, I didn't know much about um, famous movies or theater things, everything happening around Australia, because as you said, USA are so big. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I, I feel I can get more into it, into it and I feel it's getting, tell me I'm, if I'm wrong, it's getting, uh, it, it is developing a bit, mm -hmm. a bit more. And so contributing to that, it's just... Wonderful. Yeah. So I, I wish I wish your dream will become true. Yeah. Thank you. I think I think it's definitely, you know, in the zeitgeist about us. We want to know. We want to know about each other. We want. We're ready for the details. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about the kind of glitz and glamour. 
um, you know, even stuff coming out of Hollywood, if you want to use that as a lens, can is coming through even more gritty, you know, not always. I mean, we've got Wednesday that was just released. It's so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we're going, we're going into, into deeper, more complex, nuanced stories again. And I think, I think that that's a part of our need culturally and as a generation to really connect and get specific. That's why everything's bespoke. Everything's about experience. Everything, you know, not just in the arts Mm -hmm. when you, you know, if you're going to buy someone a present, you're not necessarily going to create more waste by giving them something. You might be like, Hey, go rock climbing. You know, you might say, go to this concert with me or, you know, it's more about us being alive and making experiences together. Mm -hmm. So I think that that does connect to us needing to create works that reflect ourselves truthfully um, and are closer to home. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> and what what would you say to someone that wants yeah to develop to 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 have you know all these artistic or artistic projects but is scared because they just have been done uh, one or two jobs and it's so different from what we've been told at school how, how what what would be the advice mm. um to someone that want to share their art yeah like advice if i take it as I'm just thinking, I want to ask this well. (laughs) (laughs) I think the first thing I'll say around it is not directly answering your question, but what's inside it in that question for me is that it's about your self-belief. Okay. So it's not just about, um, can I do this? Can I drop this job? Whatever, whatever. It's like, how how much can you love yourself to do what you need to do? You know? And and see outside um, what you've been told and and trust that that liberation, even if it's just for a second and you're like, hey, I could do that, trust that that's meant for you and and also allow, allow like, you know, it's mindfulness. It's like watching the thoughts of fear kind of come through and being like, cool, that just means that it means something to me and, and I can do this. And I think that you want to build yourself up with tools to help with those fears and those doubts because trust me they are there for me even though I'm Mm. doing this stuff it's an everyday thing you know so I think so much a part of actually making that step is creating a healthy landscape within yourself and um yeah touching on like knowing who you are yeah yeah so it's important for you to be mindful of what you really want to do Mm-hmm. Uh, who you really want to be and not be t- being scared of exploring these parts. Yeah, or even like if you imagine I had a um, there's a life coach <laughs> slash healer that I've worked with before. Her name's Yolanda fin- Finate. I actually might need to send you the link because I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. But she's Yordi Yorda. But basically she t- told me this um, analogy where it's like you're in the car And in the back seat, there's this screaming person, a version of you that's like screaming about all your different fears, even the ones that you can't necessarily hear as thoughts, their feelings, like they're barring you from even making a move, whatever it's there. And instead of being like, 
distracted by them. You know, you have to stop the car. You have to turn around the other way, whatever. You know, you just know that they're there. Mm -hmm. So it's not about like extinguishing them. Mm -hmm. It's about being like, hey, like I see you. We've got this. I'm going to go on anyway. Mm -hmm. And then, and then that it actually, you know, I don't know much about the science or whatever, just making this up probably. I'm, I'm parroting what I've heard, but you know, you eventually change that risk, you know, how much you, you are train willing. your brain, you train your mm, brain. Mm. Yeah. You override that feeling and the, and the fear isn't as loud anymore because you've proven that it's safer. It's still, it's safe to go on and do this. So yeah, I think that that's a really important part of it. Yeah. And I love this. It speaks really well. <laughs> I will imagine this fear in the back of the car. Yeah. Screaming. In the back of the car. Really good. Yeah. yeah I love it. So no, I think even I had an audition this morning and, and I was, I didn't get in last time I auditioned for them. It's a, it's a job. It's a job that is related to acting and clowning. Um, anyway, I knew that I didn't want to give too much of, I didn't want to go too crazy because I knew that it was a part of just trusting that I've got the expertise and I can prepare something through the week, but then get it polished this morning. Like I know myself, I know my process. I mm-hmm. got up and got, got up at 6.30, got it done, did the audition. Everyone was like, wow, amazing. Blah, blah. <laughs> and then I didn't get it. And, I, and that's exactly what happened last time. So I don't really know. It's, it's a specific, um, you know, selection process. But the fear that wanted to pipe up and say, um, you know, you're just not going to get this. Yeah, da, da, da. Don't go. But I could also, it was a great framework because this time exactly last year I was auditioning for the same, for the same gig and I didn't get it. And I wanted it so bad. Like I wanted it, I'd worked for it. I, you know, I felt really good. It was a great, um, threshold for me to pass through because it did set off a lot of the other opportunities, like people that I met, motivation that I gained, even just from doing it even though I didn't get it. And then I realized it was like a mirror. I was like, hey, I'm so okay and neutral about this. I'm, I'm a professional amount of excited and prepared, but I don't have my life on the line. And, and I'm finding that, that that level is making me feel really good. And that's also come from being connected to my purpose because mm-hmm. I know that whatever I do or don't do, like I'm still doing what I need to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that fear wanted to be there, and I was like, "Hey, girl, you're right. We're good." And then, stay with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then when I they got the email this hour, I was like, "That's so cool, cute that I didn't get it. Not surprised." Oh. <laughs> as you, yeah, it's it's for the better as well. Mm-hmm. And you're proud of yourself compared to last year, as you were, as oh, you were saying, sure. and uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, there's so much rejection, obviously, in this in this. Um, life. Yeah, you never get it. You never get, and for audition, I heard it. You mm-hmm. you never get the thing first really yeah, straight yeah. away. It's a lot of you have to. a lot of no's. Yeah, you have to not get used to, but I imagine um, I face many reject before having mm-hmm. a role. For sure, and it is different again every time. Like if I did actually care about it, I probably would feel different. Um, but even then, I think the coping mechanism has been trained enough that it's like cool keep going yeah yeah you got this yeah. you're the best Kristen <laughs> <laughs> you're the best <laughs> oh, thank you I know you have to go to footy now not yet really 
All right, so we're back. Uh, Kristen has been playing footy for the last month. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to finish um, this episode because uh, you had to go to footy. <laughs> It's been a bit more than a month, I think, since we started the episodes. Uh, since that... Is there so many so many things happened in your life, right? And I remember last time we were talking about um, your arts having a meaning and service to other people, um, getting aligned with yourself. Um, what changed in the month and a half since you did the, the like the first episode with me? And how do you link all that? Mm. Yeah, it's. I don't know that it's like a. I mean, my life has changed. No, but I think it still connects and speaks to the feeling of purpose liberating us. And, you know, I think so much of our suffering is connected to not really knowing what we can do for this, like, massive collective grief, you know, all of what we've done to the planet and what we're going to deal with once, you know, with this damage and how how anyone's going to move forward. Like, that's kind of a, a macro grief, but then, of course... I've also had like personal things come on but I do I do have like episodic kind of moments where I'm just crying <laughs> for days because I just I want to feel that heartbreak of of you know what we're doing um and I do think that a part of that force that is in so many cultures that are take that are exploiting land and also exploiting people and resources it's um it's just like everywhere in our in our societies especially western and um you know it's creating so many blocks to us being able to maybe express ourselves as much as we could and and that is whatever that purpose would be you know it's not it's not an easy way but I also feel like we're in this kind of universal design and so when we're when we're handed tragedy and you know tragedy seems the older I get like I'm about to turn 30 this year but tragedy seems to be one of the biggest kind of constants And, you know, I'm realizing that more and that all of those things can exist while, you know, maybe someone else or me is having like the best day of our lives. And how do we hold the entirety of that truth and then and then try and remain in the joy of being alive and being really present with with what we've got and what is so enjoyable about having a body? Um, yeah, I think I think that I've had a whole kind of spell of a lot of really difficult truths that I'm now going to have to deal with um, as a kind of obstacle to in in my personal life and it's it's like a bit of a curveball and I've had to change direction and adapt and I went through so much kind of I lost that tether that sense of why I'm worthy and what I need to what I'm here for which is so much what I feed off of mm -hmm. um, but then as soon as I'm starting to emerge from that not to say that I was any less when I was having those thoughts and, um, you know, existing in that kind of paradigm and like a big cloud over your head type feeling, I, you know, I can see that that's for a purpose itself and you, you're always growing and you're always in a new place every day and it's like how do you apply what you've got, like how, exactly how you want to and I think that not subscribing for me, not subscribing to kind of a, a traditional life path. I feel much more at peace with that once I know mm -hmm. why I'm doing it. Um, and it's in the small things. It's in like just being able to feel joy but also being able to be like how do I create 
that sense of creativity and um, inspiration for other people because as soon as people are doing that, it's just that really um, transformative feeling for all of us and I think that's life happening, you know. Yeah. I think you didn't lost this sense of uh, purpose, but it's changing. As you said, you're getting close to your 30s mm-hmm. and you are at the end of a chapter and something else is opening and you change. Uh, what do you feel? You change your, your tastes have changed and it's, it's in the tragedy. There is also something good because you discover something else. Mm-hmm. And I like that you dedicated to uh, help people to be more creative and be more inspired because they can be their true self and mm-hmm. bring more ideas and be more sensitive to what you said, enjoying the present, enjoying the little things. Yeah, totally. I don't, I don't think that I've like so much changed the direction. I think that all like what I was doing, it's been more about like a sharpening of those things and a reality check of, of our very finite time to be here and that part of aging that's like how about the the pleasure of that you know I can look back and I can see oh that's really cool so a month a month gone or a couple of weeks there I was in that pattern and I know exactly where that pattern's happened before Mm -hmm. and you have this kind of retrospect and you can learn to be really curious about like how you're entering those things and and I guess like you're not as um Frayed because you're like I kind of I recognize this place and you learn to accept and hold yourself a bit more in that so yeah I think that it's been it's been another um you know these kind of bombs that go off in our lives always happen in our favor and I've been thinking a lot about that in terms of affirmation but we just if we hold hold on to what how is this how is this sent for me and how am I learning and what can I be with this part of the lesson okay that's yeah. a good advice you <laughs> would bring to people if there is like a bomb in your life try to yeah uh, take it as uh, it's there mm-hmm. now you just there is a reason and it's hard but how can you like take advantage of that mm-hmm. yeah well, congratulations. Thank you, my darling. Thank you for letting us wrap. I yeah. just like, wanted to say hello again. <laughs> Are you going to footy again? <laughs> um, tomorrow morning, got our first trial game. <laughs> oh, cool. wow. Or, you know, last one rather before the season starts. So oh, great. Let's go women's footy. Watch it. All the 16-year-olds are coming up now and they've had the footy in their hands since they were, you know, six or eight. So it's massive difference. Like women's footy is about to go crazy in Australia in the next few years. Look out. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Let's watch footy. Woo. Thanks yeah. so much, Kristen, Thanks for that. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.